you know, I can't really believe it, but we are uh, in week five of our sermon series called The Ransom. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? It seems like we just started last week and yet here we are. Uh, As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, the series up to this point has really been uh, focused on what Jesus gave up, the price He paid to set us free from our sins. Uh, Today, we are taking a little different aspect of that. Uh, We are looking at uh, the type of people that Jesus set free. Uh, In other words, we're going to look at you and me. And who are we? Uh, And the reason we do that, again, is not because we want to feel guilty, not because we want to go away feeling bad about ourselves, but when we examine ourselves and we see the type of people we are, God's love shines brightly forth. Jesus' love, His forgiveness is then spotlighted and highlighted and comes forth to us. So with that in mind, I have a question for you this morning. How many of you have ever made a promise? Raise your hand. Yeah, hand in hand. I like it. Yeah, we've all made promises, right? Uh, Ann and I got married after my uh, internship year. And so she came back to Wisconsin with me uh, for my senior year at seminary. And... I was used to hanging out with my friends whenever I wanted, and uh, now I was living off campus, living with Ann, while my friends all got together, all my single friends got together almost every night hanging out. Well, one night, my friends called me up and said, hey, a bunch of us are getting together, you want to come and hang out? And I said, yeah, that sounds great. So I went to Ann and I said, hey, is is it cool if I go and hang out with with my friends? And she said, yeah, that's no problem. And she goes, what what time are you going to be home? And I said, well, I'll, pro- I'll be home at, at 10 o'clock. I promise. What a dumb promise. Uh, first of all, Ann didn't care when I was going to get home. She was going to sleep. She had to work the next day. Uh, she just wanted to know what time so that when she rolled over and she saw that it was past that time, then she could start worrying. But I promised her I'd be back at 10 circumstances changed. I started having fun. The game went over into overtime. And next thing you know, I was walking through the door at midnight. Broken promise. When circumstances change, we tend to break promises, right? Maybe, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been there. I see some people shaking their heads yes. Uh, maybe you've promised your kids that you'd be at their game and then circumstances changed at work and you couldn't get there. Maybe you promised your your friends and your relatives that you no longer give in to that addiction, um, whether it be porn addiction, uh, drug, alcohol, and yet circumstances change and you find yourself giving in again. Maybe you told your spouse that you do something around the house that they want you to do and they've wanted you to do for a while. You promise you're going to do it. Circumstances change. Time passes and it never gets done. One more for you. Maybe you fall into that same sin over and over again. And this time, after you fall into it, you say to God, I will not do that again. I promise. Circumstances change. And you fall into that sin again. 
when our circumstances change, that's when we tend to break promises. And for some, this is also how our faith works. Our faith is based on circumstances. And if you're following along in your worship folder, that is your first blank. For some, faith is based on circumstances. For those of you who are members at Peace, uh, when you stood up here and were confirmed in faith, you made a promise. I don't know if you remember it, but you promised that you would remain faithful to Jesus even to the point of death. Circumstances change, and we're not always faithful, are we? Sure, as long as we're healthy and wealthy, our faith is burning inside of us. But as soon as those things change, as soon as health issues become a problem, as soon as financial problems pop up, as soon as there's some kind of tragedy in our life, our faith plummets. If this has described you today, if it has described you in the past, you aren't alone. I promise. In fact, we're going to look at someone today in the Bible who did the exact same thing. And it is one of Jesus' own disciples, the Apostle Peter. We continue today in Mark chapter 14. Uh, Mark is one of those four books that we call the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The the word gospel means good news. And so we call these books the gospel because uh, they tell us about the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now last week, uh, maybe you remember that we talked about Jesus being in the court, in the Jewish court, uh, around 1 or 2 in the morning. While Jesus is in the court, Peter is outside on trial himself. Uh, He's in his own court, so to speak. But before we look at that, I want to remind you of a conversation that took place six hours before this court trial. We're in Mark chapter 14, and we are beginning at verse 27. Jesus and his disciples had celebrated the Passover. Uh, They celebrated the Lord's Supper, and now Jesus says this. "You You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Peter was pretty focused on himself, wasn't he? Even if all fall away, I will not, Jesus. Even if I have to die with you, I will not disown you. I, I, I. Peter was pretty confident, wasn't he? He had faith in his own abilities to stand firm and not disown Jesus. Even when Jesus says, Hey, Peter, here's what Scripture says. They will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That means you, Peter, are going to scatter because of me. And Peter says, Nope, Scripture is wrong. I will not 
do that. It was pretty easy for Peter to be so confident, right? Look at where he was. He was sitting in a room with Jesus at the time. He was sitting in a room with fellow Christians. It was easy to be confident and have faith. In fact, if you, if you really wanted to say it, Peter relied on Peter. And that's your second blank. Peter relied on Peter. That's where his faith was really at. He had the ability, he thought. He had a strong enough faith to stand firm no matter what happened. That's what he thought. And now let's fast forward six hours later when the circumstances changed. We pick up at Mark 14, beginning with verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out to the entryway. Peter's warming himself by the fire. And a servant girl comes up and says, I know you from somewhere. She looks closely at him, examining him, trying to figure out where she knows him from. Last week, uh, Ann and I ate at Dahlia's Cafe over there in 1869. And as we're eating there, uh, a family walks in. And I, I stopped Ann in the middle of our conversation and said, I know that guy from somewhere. And the rest of the, the meal, I was kind of being a creep because I kept looking over and staring at him. Uh, and I, I'm trying to figure out, where do I know this guy from? And finally, at the end of our meal, I finally said, Ann, I know where he's from. I know where I know him. And it felt so great. That's what the servant girl was doing. She was looking at Peter closely, looking at him. Where do I know you from? Ah, I got it. You were with that Nazarene Jesus. And Peter plays dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus guy. And suddenly, the fire gets a little too hot for Peter. He's a little too warm. And so he goes out to the entryway. And the servant girl follows him. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. The servant girl follows Peter, and now she says to everyone around her, This man's a Nazarene. He was with Jesus. And again he denies it. Hoping and praying that this matter was done with, he's sitting there. He doesn't move. He's hoping that no one pays attention to him. Please don't ask me any more questions. Let me just be in the shadows. But then those around him start saying, You're not from around here. You're a Galilean. You're not from down south here in Jerusalem. You're one of those Yankees from up in Galilee. I recognize you. You're not from here. And Peter begins to call down curses. This is more than just swearing. 
This, he didn't just say, I swear to God. That's not it. He is using the phrase, GD. He is asking God to send someone or something to hell if he knows Jesus. Gone were the heroics. Gone was the confidence. Gone was this bold and courageous leader of the disciples. He was so confident when he was around Christians. His circumstances changed and a servant girl makes him crumble. And then Peter hears something that wakes him back up from all of his cursing. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Your next blank is, Peter broke down because the object of his faith failed him. What was the object of Peter's faith? It was himself, right? I have faith in myself to stand firm and not disown Jesus. And when he failed, he broke down because he realized he failed Jesus. He was so emphatic. And then as soon as a servant girl asks him, you were with Jesus, weren't you? He said, Jesus who? Jesus who? When I was at seminary, uh, I worked for a window cleaning company called Squeegee Squad. I know, try to contain your laughter. It's a ridiculous name. But it's true, I worked for a company called Squeegee Squad. Uh, and I worked there with a friend who was also at seminary studying to be a pastor. And uh, I will never forget it, we were in a home in, in Mequon, Wisconsin, and we were cleaning this lady's windows. Uh, and sometimes the clients talked with us, sometimes they just let us do our thing and, and not bother us. Uh, but this lady was talking with us, and we didn't mind. Uh, and she asked us what we do. Uh, is this our full-time job or are we doing something else? And we said, no, we're studying to be pastors. And she said, oh, well, I'm Jewish. Silence. And I'll never forget what I was thinking. Dear Lord, please let my friend respond. <laughs> Dear Lord, Please don't have her ask me any questions. I don't know what to say. Uh, what can I say to make her change her mind and believe in Jesus? I, I can't do it. Please let Kendall talk. And apparently he was thinking the same thing uh, because there was a moment more of silence and then Kendall responded with, Oh, well that's good. End of conversation. We drove back the 30 minutes to our office in silence. Here we were, two guys studying to be professionals at proclaiming God's Word. We were studying to professionally and clearly declare the praises of God and the salvation that comes only through Him. And we were silent. What did we do? 
we did exactly what Peter did, right? Sure, ours wasn't uh, an outward verbal denial, but it was a silent denial. Peter, Peter looked to himself to save his skin while we look to ourselves to save face, right? And that's what happens. When we take our eyes off of Christ and put them on ourselves, we will deny Christ. We will look to save ourselves. We see that all the time, right? Circumstances change. Sure, when we were in the classroom around Christians, we talked a big game. We were going to go out. We were going to convert the world. We're going to talk to Jesus, to everybody. Uh, We are going to make disciples, but then get us out of the classroom and we crumble and deny Christ. Maybe you've been there as well. Maybe it's at your kid's game. Maybe it's at uh, a holiday family meal. Maybe it's out at the bar with your friends. Maybe it's just hanging out with your friends at work. And Christianity gets brought up. Maybe you pray the same exact prayer I did. Lord, please don't let them ask me. Please let someone else respond. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I could say to possibly change their mind. Please let someone else talk. Either that, or maybe we're afraid of looking foolish. Maybe we're afraid that uh, people are going to think we're ignorant because we believe what the Bible says. Because we believe this book is God's Word. Because we uh, believe in creation. Because we believe what it says about sexuality. Because we believe that one man was God And 2,000 years ago, he died and rose again. And because he did, we're going to go to heaven. Uh, We're afraid of looking foolish. And we're afraid of being rejected, aren't we? We don't want someone to turn us down. We don't want someone to cut us out from their life because we are Christian. We're afraid of making things awkward. But do you notice what attitude that all is? And who's the focus there? It's me, right? It's not Jesus, it's me. I'm going to feel awkward. I'm going to feel foolish. I'm going to feel uh, rejected. I don't know what to say. What can I say to change their mind? Here's the crazy part. Imagine for a second that you were kidnapped. That someone kidnapped you and set the ransom price at a million dollars. And a random person paid the million dollars to set you free. Wouldn't you want to get to know that person better? Wouldn't you, would you be ashamed to tell others about this guy who saved you, who paid your ransom? Not at all. You'd be bragging about this person. You'd be out there telling the world, hey, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you about this guy. Jesus has set us free from sin and death. He paid the ransom to set us free. And yet being scared of rejection, being afraid of looking foolish, we don't tell others. Instead, we silently deny knowing our ransom payer.
Jesus knew what Peter was going to do. Jesus knew it. He told him. And in that upper room, Jesus said, when, when I rise from the dead, I'm going to go ahead of you into Galilee. We'll meet there. And that's exactly what happened. What Jesus said was going to happen, happened. After he rose from the dead, Jesus went ahead into Galilee, and there his disciples met him. And, and Jesus cooked the disciples breakfast, and then after breakfast was over, uh, Jesus said, Hey, Peter, let's go for a walk. And so Peter and Jesus are walking down the beach of the Sea of Galilee, and, and Jesus says to, said to him, Simon, son of John, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than all of these others? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. In other words, go tell others about me. Gone was the confidence. Gone was the ego. Peter was not about to say, yes, Lord, I love you more than any of these other people do. He just said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus knew he'd betray, or disown him. Peter said so emphatically that he wouldn't, but then he failed and he disowned him. And now Jesus says, go feed my lambs. Think of how crazy that is. Think, step back for a second. Imagine... I'm out in public, and you see me. You don't come up and say hi. I don't know you're standing there. And you overhear me in a conversation with someone, and this person says, oh, you're a Christian? Christianity doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I, I think it's stupid. And then you hear me say, yeah, it's pretty stupid. It's pretty crazy. I, I don't know why I believe it. Do you think I'd be able to be a pastor anymore? Do you think our national church body would say, hey, you know what, Stephen Apt is a great fit down there in Liberty Hill to be a pastor? No, they wouldn't trust me to do that anymore. And yet that's what Jesus does here. He says, Peter, you disowned me. You wanted nothing to do with me. Go feed my lambs. Why? It's because Peter experienced the unconditional love of Jesus. Peter experienced and he knew that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again to set him free from his sins. And because of that, Jesus would never cast him out. Peter knew he deserved to not be anywhere near Jesus. And yet Jesus said, I will never cast you away. You are mine. I set you free. Go feed my lambs. It's when we experience this unconditional love of Jesus that our eyes are off of ourselves and placed onto Him. And that's the same love that Jesus has for you. You know the times that you have failed Jesus. You know the times where you failed to stand up for your faith, to witness. Uh, You know the times that you fell into that sin again. You know all that. You know it. And yet Jesus comes to you and says... I love you. I forgive you. You are mine. I set you free. I bought you. Go. Tell others about me. Where can you find 
unconditional love like this, it's only in Jesus. It's only in your Savior who, who no matter uh, how great your sin, He still loves and accepts you because He set you free. It's only in uh, the Savior who came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Yes, your faith will slip at times. Yes, your faith will not always be strong. There will be weak moments. But here's our takeaway this morning. This is your point four. You are saved, not because of the strength of your faith, but because of the object of your faith. And what is the object of your faith? It is your Savior. It is Jesus, who has unconditional love for you you, who will love you no matter how big your sin is, and He says, I love you, I forgive you, I've set you free. You've experienced the unconditional love that the world is looking for. You have experienced it. And now Jesus says, go, tell others about this unconditional love. It's a love that makes us want to stand up and to tell others, no matter what the circumstances are, Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your unconditional love. We ask that You fill us with Your love, that our faith may be strengthened, and that our eyes may be on You always. Amen. Please stand.